I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. To live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry. 106 is the KSL News Time. Uh, it was early last week that we heard from uh, health leaders here in the state of Utah letting it be known that uh, we had really reached some capacities. That in terms of the state's ability to care for those suffering from the coronavirus, specifically in the ICU setting, that we were getting to the limits, both in terms of uh, facilities and most importantly and most pressingly, uh, in terms of those medical professionals trained and ready to render aid. We were running out of bodies to take care of the sick. And that dur- during that press conference, we learned, number one, of uh, a continued partnership uh, between ourselves here in Utah and some healthcare providers out of New York City. About 31 nurses uh, have returned here to Utah and will be helping in this. And we also learned... Uh, that there would be uh, some 190 travelers, as they were called, reporting here to the state of Utah to lend a hand. Uh, you and I went through uh, what these travelers are, these traveling nurses, and we even spoke with one, uh, one who had on assignment herself uh, on an Indian reservation contracted the coronavirus and still uh, battles with some of those long hauler symptoms today. Uh, but what we learned is how they operate. And today, uh, I'd like to continue that conversation. Welcome to the program, Lynn Gross, president of RN Network, uh, uh, Travel Nursing Division. Uh, Ms. Gross, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm interested to to learn more about uh, how travel nurses operate and and specifically and historically how uh, and what circumstances have arisen to, uh, you know, to to mobilize certain groups traveling here and there. I imagine, though, I imagine that this COVID-19 pandemic has uh, has called upon the travel nursing industry like no other time in history. Is that accurate? A hundred percent. Yes. These last eight months, we have... um, the call to action that we need to get these providers to hospitals faster than ever before. Um, you know, this business has been around for, gosh, almost 30 plus years where nurses will go to staff, uh, to hospitals to help fill the gap. But um, the last nine months have been um, just unprecedented. As you watch uh, the need across the country and look to deploy your nurses, what uh, what is the story to be told? Where has the need fluctuated? Where, where have you seen the trends? Well, you know, in March is when it really um, started, and, and um, it started in the state that you mentioned earlier, New York. And um, everyone was kind of sending all nurses to New York. But throughout the summer, it's really changed. Um, we began to see 
um, needs fluctuate throughout the country. Today, the needs are widespread throughout the United States. There are areas where it's, it feels a little harder hit um, than other states, but it's critical. What we're seeing is hospitals need providers to start in, you know, five days, and, and we're working really hard to get our nurses credentialed so they can hit the ground running wherever um, throughout the United States. And just uh, we should take a step backwards here and uh, work on some definitions. So travel nurses uh, very basically are, and your organization supports, the essentially a standing army of nurses ready to deploy where they are needed on a short-term basis. Uh, they're not necessarily working in one hospital, uh, you know, day after day after day, drawing a salary from that hospital, uh, but rather when, as we're seeing here in Utah, there is, uh, you know, a specific and uh, a quick need these travel nurses can can deploy. Uh, has the experience of the travel nurse themselves, has that changed much in this coronavirus era? Yeah, um, absolutely it's changed because, you know, we're, we're having to help them with, you know, when they contract the virus, um, they're having to quarantine, step out of working for, you know, 14 days. So that's new and different. Um and so we're supporting them through that process and making sure they're paid and, and they're taking care of themselves so that they can get back into working. But in the beginning of this pandemic, there were so many unanswered questions. So, And they were, you know, running in and helping without those questions answered. But I think today um, we're all better prepared in terms of um, proper protection and knowing that, hey, if they get the virus, they need to quarantine and take a break before they get back into working. But it's definitely put a strain on them. There's more burnout. Um, they're working around the clock and and, um, and doing everything they can to um, take care of the patients, themselves, and their family. We're speaking with Lynn Gross, president of RN Network, uh, an organization that uh, deals with travel nursing. And uh, again, travel nursing, it is, uh, like I described earlier, an army of nurses ready to deploy uh, where the need is greatest and most pressing on a temporary basis. What lessons have been learned? What lessons will we have learned over this past year that will uh, carry on into the future once we get this pandemic behind us? Well, I I would say more so than a lesson, but a great reminder to us all that these healthcare providers are um, so selfless and they go in and they are remarkable and they do their best to take care of patients. And it's been really trying for them, you know, put in situations where maybe the patient can't see a family member and they are the lifeline to um, the family member who is on the phone or FaceTiming. And so I think most importantly, it's a great reminder of the impact our providers have on our patients and our communities. So lessons learned, I think it's, um, you know, there's some um, lessons learned about uh, getting these nurses um, credentialed. Each state is a little bit different, and the quicker that we can kind of work through the protocols, the quicker we can get them into the hospitals taking care of patients. And we've seen some changes and um, just hoping those changes will be more than just short-term but long-term so we can continue filling these needs wherever they are. 
Lynn, last question for you. Let's say there are folks listening to the program today just starting out in life trying to figure out in which direction they want to go. They hear about this uh, travel nursing industry and the lifestyle. Who are the types of folks and what does it take to, to be a travel nurse? Well, um, first of all, typically a nurse has to have a minimum of one year experience, but it's really someone who is who wants to build their skill set, who wants to experience um, different hospital settings, who who want to travel and see the country. Those are the type of nurses that do really well um, in this environment. They can take one assignment, or we have nurses who do this, you know, over a course of a couple years. And then they can um, go back into a permanent work setting. But it's someone who's looking to, you know, experience different um, settings is really uh, someone who benefits. Excellent. Uh, listen, Lynn Gross, thank you so much for the, the information you're presenting here. And thank you for working in an industry that has uh, really in large part allowed us to continue. And by us, I mean the, the healthcare professionals, the medical facilities, the hospitals continue to render the care and the aid that is so needed right now as these numbers continue to, to tick in the upward direction. Uh, Lynn Gross, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye. All righty, bye-bye. So there you have it. If you are thinking about this, you heard some of the qualifications, if it's something you might want to explore, and also as you are looking to understand how this all works, how uh, we could here in Utah experience such a dramatic uptick and what are the resources we have to to answer that. And travel nurses really uh, end up being a major, major part uh, in in making up the difference where we fall short in terms of uh, rendering care with this unprecedented need right now in the coronavirus era. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. I told you we're going to try to keep the COVID talk to a minimum, uh, and I'm going to do my best. We'll take a break right now. When we return, we're talking about the Olympic Games. We're going to start by looking at 2021, the Summer Olympics, and then how about Salt Lake City back up to bat, maybe hosting some more Olympics here in Utah's great capital city. We'll hear from Fraser Bullock, president and CEO of the Salt Lake City Utah Committee for the Games. That's all ahead here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.